Dutchkin goes through it again. Oh, he just can't do it. You just cannot be that good. That is an amazing goal. I think he's scored a goal every time he's had a shot. What's going on, guys? We are back with another episode of the 50 Plus One Football Podcast, your home for all things Premier League, Bundesliga, and Champions League. We have a host of topics for you, but today, with me as always, a man who seems to be drawn to this podcast like Kimmich is drawn to quarantine, it's Billy. Ah, and much like Joshua Kimmich, it's uh, a government requirement of me to sit down and talk to you once a week. And I wouldn't change a thing. Exactly. The one government requirement I think I could definitely live with and possibly enjoy. I say possibly. Oh. Come on. We know possibly, we, we, know we yeah. enjoy it. Like Lewis said, we've got a whole host of topics. We start in the Premier League where there's just been some big news about Manchester United's new manager search. We'll talk through that and we'll go through potential candidates for the full-time manager as well as the new interim. And moving into the Bundesliga, we're going to have a look at Dortmund and Leipzig in the Champions League. What on earth went wrong? What happened? Like, how? Uh, we'll talk the Berlin derby. And we'll also talk, yes, Joshua Kimmich, the unvaccinated Bayern player. He's got COVID. So there's a lot to dive into. Let's, let's start with the Premier League. Let's start with something that... Uh, I'm actually quite excited about right now. I was about to say, this must be bringing some serious joy to your, to your, uh, you know, I'd say in the last few weeks, downcast mood when it comes to your favorite football team. Definitely more on the negative side until Michael Carrick took charge of a 2-0 win over Villarreal, a team that we very rarely beat, actually. And I was also very quick to come down on people calling for Ralph Rangnick last episode saying oh yeah but you don't know anything about him he's got a job at locomotive moscow stop battering around a name just because you saw it on twitter once and lo and behold humble pie for me please ralph rangnick is set to be the new interim manager at manchester united with a two-year consultancy contract afterwards so basically he's moving upstairs you'll actually get a director of football who knows what he's doing and I'm so but we, happy. But but full disclaimer, this is not for sure. This is not confirmed. This is just speculation. Heavy speculation by also the athletic, but nonetheless, speculation. But let's we can we can talk about this for a second because Ralf Rachnick did a stellar job doing a similar deal with Abby Leipzig. And he was the manager for one year, and then they got Nagelsmann, and then um, and that year, coincidentally, finished Champions League spots. He's not a bad manager, and he knows what he's doing. He's managed Schalke before. You know, he's, this is, he's a proven quantity as well, and he's managed clubs who have been in European competition. He knows how to, you know, has, he knows how a big, big-time club basically works, or at least a club with aspirations to play in the top, for the top four places, and, of course, the Champions League and in multiple competitions. So, you know, I mean, he's never, he's, I don't think he's ever managed a club as big as Manchester United, but still might be the next step up. Exactly. And it's, it's interesting because people say, I've been asked by a couple of people at work, you know, right, 
who is he? And the easiest way I've found to describe it is literally the godfather of German football. You think Nagelsmann, Tuchel, Klopp, they've all come from that sphere of influence from Ralph Rangnick. Yeah, yeah. And it's incredible. Like you look at the, there was a picture, a coach's voice put up ages ago of the amount of managers that have come from like Johan Cruyff and like other great managers as well. All the people that branch off like Guardiola and now Xavi's come off of there as well. It's ridiculous. And it's interesting because it's not the first time he's been linked with the United job. Yeah. Back when Oli was still the interim, it was okay. Well, they'll get Ralph Rangnick in as a, as a permanent manager. And in 2019, again, the current CEO, John Murto, went to Leipzig to have a look around the facilities and basically get a gauge of how the clubs run. And Rangnick himself took that as the opportunity to almost self-interview himself for the job. Well, he, but yeah, basically. So Ralf Rangnick wasn't just, you know, a, you know, the Leipzig uh, sporting director. He was managing the whole football. He was the football director at Red Bull, which meant also Ebbe Salzburg comes under that, um, you know, there's it, it's a lot it's a lot more than people than people really know and i'd say from a footballing perspective not bad it's I not think bad united could do a lot a lot worse they could do a lot worse since, oh some of the names mate ernesto valverde okay reputation at barcelona not great but he was okay at bilbao rudy garcia oh my god Jesus. leon manager or former Leon manager. No, thank you. And who was the other? Steve Bruce offered his services. I don't fucking think so, Steve. <laughs> Honestly, it is quite nice for United to now not have to look at the requirement of, have you once played for us? Yeah. I mean, here's the thing, right? They, United, they didn't, they weren't wrong when they went for, you know, players who used to play for them. Because, I mean, look at Bayern. That's not a bad... I would say reputation for getting your old players in and trying to get them back into the club because they have the club's DNA in that sense. But I think one of the problems is with Premier League clubs in general, they don't try and build up a philosophy enough in the sense that you have managers coming in and out and in and out. Like how often do it, do the top six change their manager? And I'd, say, I'd say Manchester City with Guardiola can, you know, try and get this philosophy side of things going so that when you then look for a new manager and you look for new players that you basically have a club philosophy and you know the club comes first and thus when the club comes first you basically say this manager and these players they all have to fit in with the club philosophy and not we're bringing a manager in who think who we think can win titles and we're going to give the a manager the players he wants just for it all to go to shit in two to three years when the project hasn't worked out with that manager. He's gotten players in that now the next manager doesn't want to use. And then you're screwed because you get to do the whole thing from the beginning. And that's, I think, one of the main problems for Premier League clubs in general. It's just there's too much. There's too much of this. We're going to get a manager in who can do stuff. And then hopefully he'll win his titles and that's it. There's no long-term planning. It's only short-term. 
That's why I think if they get Ragnigan, they'll have that long-term planning and then he can try and get some type of philosophy going at United. Exactly. And when he moves into that consultancy position afterwards, then there's the opportunity to still have that structure, still have that kind of influence on the philosophy. Well, I hope he has more than a little bit of influence. You know, I think I think United will come to realize that they'll want to get him in uh, in for more than just a consultancy, because I think, you know, if you gave him the reins as, you know, technical director or director of football at Manchester United, you would see some drastic changes. I think that's probably what they're hoping for. I think they want to see changes whilst he's interim. Mm-hmm. And then if they're, if they stick, if they stay, depending on who they get in full time in the summer, be it Poch or be it Eric Ten Hag. Yeah. Then yeah. Then you go for director of football slash technical director role. And you yeah, move yeah. someone like Darren Fletcher yeah. more into the coaching staff side of it. I mean, yeah, I'd, I'd almost say that, you know, for instance, I'd say it's worked out quite well at Chelsea so far because I've now gotten a manager and, and you know, he can adapt with the players he's got. And I think Chelsea might actually, if they, if they play their cards right, they might have a manager for a long time who could, who could actually, have, who could actually, you know, almost ring in a new era. And they have someone, they have someone like, um, you know, they, they have someone in uh, Marina Granovskaya up in the, uh, at the top who is getting some very good technical um, directors, uh, sorry, technical directors, who is getting in some very good players um, who plans the squad accordingly. And, you know, you have to see that her handprints are also, or her fingerprints are also all over that squad. You know, there's no denying that. And I think you know, they, there should be a lot more credit given to that job of the ter- technical director so that people focus on that role a lot more and then get someone who ha- in who actually has an idea rather than just, as I said, getting the next big manager, getting the next big players and hoping that, you know, something will happen of it. Because at the end of the day, it's not much better than what PSG do. PSG do it to an extreme, but I think in the Premier League, they're definitely going that route as well. And it's 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 why you only have, you know, bursts of, of title winning stuff. You know, you look at Jurgen Klopp. He was given time and he's slowly working titles. Now he's put Liverpool back to where they used to be, a club that every year is now in the top three favorites to win the Premier League and also in the Champions League. And of course, FA Cup and League Cup. Whereas you cut to when they have Brendan Rodgers, they got so close to winning the league that year under him. The season after, they get rid of him. So yeah. I, I get what you mean. And like I say, it would be nice to have some stability. And I say German clubs do it a lot better. I mean, you look at Christian Streich at Freiburg. He's been there for over a decade or close to over a decade. And now look where they are. Yeah. It's ridiculous. Well, we will have to wait and see if Ralph Rangnick has the influence that we've seen before over clubs, if he has that at Manchester United. But now let's talk Bundesliga. Let's unpack last night <laughs> and the, uh, the season in the Champions League as a whole, really, for Dortmund and Leipzig. Let's start with Dortmund because last night was 
shambolic. An embarrassment as far as they're concerned. Quickly, have you seen the uh, the two pictures of um, Max Hummels' TV? No. So there was a, a, a early stages of the game picture stood next to his TV. And we'll put this on our Insta as well. Stood next to his TV with his thumbs up. Like, come on, lads. Like, was it? Uh, hey, our bay, bay, bay. Things yeah. like that. And the next one is uh, <laughs> his TV smashed. <laughs> Where he's, he's just got so angry at, let's be honest, the shambles of a performance. He's either kicked it, battered it, or thrown something at it. And I am all for that. That's the sort of thing you want from your club captain. Yeah, I mean, to be fair, I give him, I can't fault him for it because you just have to say that Dortmund this season, the Champions League as a whole, if you look at it, they didn't deserve to be in the Champions League. You play like that, you deserve the Europa League. That's at like at the very, you know, at the very least, you should be playing in Europa League, if not conference. Like some of this stuff that they're doing is just unfreaking believable. The reliance on Haaland. If even when he's on the pitch, they didn't, they didn't have you know the fire. They didn't have the team basically to stick together. You know, if we're being honest, Sporting didn't do that much yesterday. They still scored three goals. Well, it wasn't as a- if Sporting was playing playing Dortmund against the wall and basically saying, you know, we've got this game under control. No, no, they didn't do much, and they still scored three goals. That's that is embarrassing. I was going to say, there is that over-reliance on Haaland. And you look, they beat Besiktas 2-1 on the first Yeah, okay, but I'm sorry that you should be beating them way more than 2-1. Well, yeah, okay, you should be. They beat Sporting 1-0 match week two. Then they had two uh, game weeks, three and four, dismantled by Ajax. Yeah. I think it's probably the fair word. Yeah. And then, you know, they've got Besiktas last match week, but you know, you might as well put out Yusuf and Makoku and, and the young lads because they can't drop out of the Europa League place. They can't qualify for the round of 16, even if they win by like 14 goals. So, you know, it's... I don't understand because even without Haaland, that team is good on enough paper. to beat Sporting yeah. Lisbon on paper. Yeah, but here's the thing, right, that... I think someone said some some German media outlets they they took it quite nicely and they said you have to just look at the fact that this from a sporting standpoint or from a from from a yeah from a sporting director's standpoint that team has just stagnated in their development in the sense that the club has stagnated in developing their team to becoming a title winning team Going back to the liver, going back to the Liverpool example, they didn't stagnate. They they kept on improving. They kept on, you know, they took every little cog that wasn't working for them. They took and they replaced with a new and better one, and that's how they did their their squad selection. That's how they that's how they would uh, build up their rosters in the in the off seasons. You know, it's it's that type of thing. And Dortmund have just stagnated. And this is where we go back to the you know the hyped on theme of. Dortmund basically just buy players or good players, talented players, and then resell them for a higher asking price. And at the end of the day, that that is just that is going to kill 
and it's going to exactly do exactly that. It's going to stagnate your team's development to be to getting to that title winning team. And I'm sorry, there are some players, you know, as much as I thought, or as much as I think Matsuma is, is a is a superb defender, he's just getting old and getting slow. He doesn't have the pace to, uh, you know, and it, it's it's getting to the point where even his positioning, his great positioning, which he always had, is now not able to save him or or make up for his lack of pace. Marco Royce, as great as a footballer he is, his injuries killed him, and he never rose to the to the heights that he probably could have. And the rest of the team is just, you know, for lack of a better word, I'd say with the exception of a few talented players, and obviously Jude Bellingham is one of them and Gio Reynard being one of them, the team isn't that great. It's a borderline mediocre. Well, when you've got Thomas Mounier and Emre Chan, who seems to be not very good in an awful lot of positions. Yeah. You know, where, is he a centre mid? Is he a centre half? He's played right back at times. It's like... Pick, pick one. A, pick a position <laughs> and be good there. And it's good to have that versatility if needed. But he's very average in all of them. Exactly. And, you know, they, they, they I feel bad for Gregor Kobel goal because they brought this keeper in and he's definitely decent, you know, he and he did bits at, at Stuttgart and he, he shows promise. And I think he's definitely a keeper who deserved that step up in his career. But he's getting left for dead by the guys in front of him. And the poor bastard can't even do anything. He can barely do anything. Yeah, he makes, you know, one, two mistakes from time to time. But, you know, he's still learning. He's 23, 24. He's a young keeper. But, you know, the, for, for the majority of the goals they get against them, the Dortmund defense just, they just leave him for dead. Christ knows. Can we have a look at Leipzig quickly? Oh, yeah. Just because it's absolutely baffling. And they still might not even get Europa League football, depending on how their last game against Man City goes, if Club Bruges, by some miracle, win or get a point at well, PSG. I better hope that PSG just beat Club Bruges because <laughs> that's a tough ass to beat Man City at this point. A 6-3 loss at the Etihad. Christopher and Kunku scoring all three on game week one. Okay, you wouldn't have put them to beat Man City. Against PSG, in, they had a chance. Letting in six goals, man. Yeah, yeah. They then lose to Bruges at home. That's shambolic. Like, a, how, I, I, no disrespect to Club Bruges, but, you know, Leipzig are, be, you know, on paper at least, better than Club Bruges. Oh, by far. 3-2 loss to PSG, followed by a 2 all draw, and then they beat Club Bruges 5-0 last night. In all honesty, they probably could have beaten PSG in both those matches. They should have beaten PSG in both yeah. those matches. To, I'm, I'm not going to lie. I don't know how PSG have even gotten to the point where they are. Like right now, it, it is baffling to me how they've made it thus far. Uh, no. That team is – I'm sorry, but at the end of the day, PSG have a few – world-class players, and the rest of the team is garbage. I don't understand. You've got those three fantastic players up front. Who they've spent all their money on. And they don't track back. Yeah, it's literally, PSG are literally playing with seven versus, uh, versus 10 when it comes to defending. 
Like, have you ever seen Messi defend in his life? I was the one time this, he tried. The one time one. he tried. The one time he tried. Frank Ribéry put him on his ass. <laughs> I was saying this to one of the boys yesterday. Yeah. He was like, oh, but why is he not having a go at Messi for, for not tracking back? He's like, have you ever seen Messi track back? Maybe early years Messi. But it's the same with Ronaldo. People are like, oh, but Ronaldo doesn't press. Yeah, but when have you ever seen Ronaldo press? <laughs> so it's interesting. And while we're talking German clubs in the Champions League, the, uh, the really interesting one is Wolfsburg. They're currently bottom of their group, right? But there is one is point. Crazy. There is one point that separates each team in that group. That group is unreal. So Wednesday the 8th, they have Lille at home. Lille, currently top of that group. If they beat Lille, they could potentially go through or qualify for the Europa League. So they might be bottom, but it's not, you know. Oh, it's definitely not dying. Two draws, a loss, a win, and a loss. So... I don't understand. Like, again, that Wolfsburg team is more than capable of being RB Salzburg. Karim Adeyemi aside. You you would think, wouldn't you? But going back to Leipzig really quick, I think their main problem is Jesse Marsh isn't... He's a good manager, but he's not quite capable yet of taking over Leipzig. Not at least when that team got decimated by so many players leaving in the last two to three years. If you'd given Jesse Marsh the team that Leipzig had about, yeah, two, three years ago, probably could have done something with it. But I don't think he's good enough a manager yet that he can do what Nagelsmann did. Nagelsmann is just a better manager. End of story. Well, I say it didn't help that they lost their two best centre-halves. Yeah, in exactly. Canate I mean. and Upamecano, you know, Werner went. And at the moment, Babita best- went. Their best goal scorer is in Kunku, or their best player is in Kunku. Sobosla is not having the one-hit effect. Not yet. Not I would still... I'm a massive lover of Dominic Sobosla. Give him time. Yeah, again... I, I, see what, I, see what, I see what you mean, but he's, that's what I'm saying. He's not having the, the, the desired effect yet. No, yet. not yet. So it'll be interesting. Let's briefly touch on arguably the biggest game of the weekend, you know, clout-wise. Yeah. The Berlin derby. And I'd wager now that the power balance has shifted from blue to red. You don't even have to bother wagering. That is, that is a fact. Have you I mean, seen, the- there was this one, oh, there was this one graphic. I need to find, I need to find this on Insta. It is so, so fitting. Um. Well, Hertha are currently 14th. Union are 5th. That's not bad for a team whose fans built the Ander Alten Forsterei. Here it is. Yeah, and you're not wrong. Because if you look at the net spend on the transfer market since the season 2019-2020, Hertha Berlin... 163 million. Union, 25. 
<laughs> ridiculous. Isn't Win- it? Darby wins since the in the same time period, both at two apiece. Managers in the same time period. Berlin have had five. Union have had one. And current for a current place in the Bundesliga table. Hatta are on fourteenth. Union on fifth. Power balance hasn't just shifted. It is colossally gone in Union's favor. I, it's no secret on here that I've got a massive soft spot for Union, mainly because of my transfer psychic vision <laughs> that I'm never, ever letting go. That's going to oh, my I grave. I 100% do not expect you to ever let go of that ever again because you, it, 20 years later, we'll if be sitting there meet- with fully grown kids at some point. Yeah. And you'll still tell me about that one time when we were 23. Come, come, child, come and sit and listen to how Granddad Billy <laughs> predicted the transfer of Max Cruz from Fenerbahce to Union Berlin. If I ever meet him, I'm going to tell him. And also, this season, I've massively fell in love with Taiwo Awani. Only because he's boosted your fantasy team. Yeah. And what? <laughs> I'm leaving you for dead in that fantasy team. It's another more Union-based psychic vision from yours truly that he was going to have an absolute storming season. If we ignore the fact he's ex-Liverpool. Yeah. <laughs> I can get over that. But yeah, a 2-0 win for Union. And like I say, it's... You know what didn't age well? Was Payadada, manager of Hata um, BSC, saying before the match, I've got a good feeling. I've got a really, really good feeling. Is this the this manager match. that plays his own son? Yes. And that's giving me massive Sunday league under 19s or under nines vibes. That is <laughs> my dad's the manager. So I get to play. Oh, Obviously yeah. he's, he's a good enough player in his own right. <laughs> I'm not suggesting anything. Oh, no, no. Shall we end? Yes. On, on a topic that we've spoken oh, three episodes in a row now. Oh, it's kind of hard not to, not to stop talking about it because there, there was uh, here, my employer, funnily enough, put out an Instagram meme that basically was the one where you know SpongeBob shows Patrick like all the bags of trash all over the place, and over Patrick, the caption it, there's a Bayern logo, and the caption is, "Stop talking about Corona. We don't only have Corona as a topic." And then it's just SpongeBob showing one bag of trash is like. Nagelsmann getting infected, Zula getting infected, Kimmich not vaccinated. Then Kimmich goes into quarantine. All the unvaccinated players go into quarantine. Unvaccinated players getting uh, catching COVID. And then it's like, well, at the end of the day, you can't you can't really argue when the media are going to keep hyping on the uh, on the Corona bandwagon because if you've got your main man in midfield saying that he's not vaccinated. And then he catches Corona two or three weeks later. I'm sorry, but I literally, I have zero empathy, zero. And I'm a Bayern fan. I have zero empathy. Obviously, I hope he doesn't have, you know, a, a bad, a bad run of it. But the fact that he's caught COVID now after not being vaccinated because of some BS that he still needs to think about the long-term causes. I'm sorry, but you know, you've made your bed now sleep in it. 
it's not just that. It's it, obviously the effects when Paul Popper came back from having it. He said it messed him up massively. Like he was talking to yeah. coaches on the sidelines, like, coach, I can't breathe properly. Yeah. Like he came back from having it and he looked shattered. Yeah. And he didn't, and he didn't even have that, har- that harsh uh, of harsh symptoms, did he? No, he wasn't. He wasn't bad with it. He was. He just said it was like a having cold, a, yeah. a, a bad cold. But he came back to playing football, and he looked massively off the pace. And he this was when there weren't any weeks. exactly. And this is when there weren't any vaccinations. So you basically got if you caught it, then you got the full effect. Obviously, Obviously now everyone knows if you're vaccinated, you can you basically stick it away like a mild cold, and it's nothing big. It, it's only the only reason exactly the only reason you go into quarantine is so you don't act as a spreader but for you personally it's not that big that big of a deal if you're fully vaccinated but you know now Kimish decided not to go with the vaccine who knows what his condition is going to be like and he's missing the Dortmund game now I'm personally extremely happy that the club have now said do you know what if you have to go into quarantine and you're not vaccinated we're docking your pay during that time are they actually oh yeah oh Christ Kimish is, Kimish is now losing Per week, 384,000 euros. Per, what's he on? 20 mil a year. Jesus Christ. No wonder he don't want to leave. That's his new contract. But the man is now basically going to, through through his quarantines, they even, they even got the unvaccinated players together and told them, not only are we going to dock your pay in future, if you're unvaccinated, you go into quarantine, we're docking your pay going back to the first quarantine you had. So the first quarantine they got, they're docking the pay going back even though it's already been through so how can what are they just gonna not pay them or something yeah oh my god imagine being a professional footballer getting your paycheck and it being like three grand oh my i'm, I'm sorry i'm all for it i'm all for it i love it yeah i'm all for that that is fair play buying <laughs> that's what having is- scary men like oliver khan in your boardroom does to you yeah, well, the only problem being now uh, that that scary man in the boardroom or the board in general haven't said jack shit about the fact that half the Bayern fans have now risen up against the club management and said, you need to get rid of the Qatar sponsoring immediately. And they haven't said a word. They had a, they, there was a banner a few weeks back against Hoffenheim, I think, or, or another, it was another game where they basically, the, the first game, the Ultras were back. They held up a huge banner and showed Khan and Haina, the president, washing bloody shirts and basically saying, for, for money, we will do anything. Oh, my God. Yeah, we don't, we didn't, we don't, we don't fuck around here in Germany. We, we get straight to the point. I, I remember seeing the thing, but wasn't it the earliest possible um, time to get rid of it? It was well, basically the, what, the, what the fans want is that they don't renew the contract. So the contract runs out in 2023. And after that, they basically want them to find new sponsoring. The problem being Qatar Airways are paying a ridiculous 17 million just for the shirt sleeve sponsor. That is unreal. Like that kind of money. No one else gets even half that. Like, and many people said as well, like uh, financial advisors as well. They were like, yeah, if Bayern ditch the sponsoring they'll be lucky to find a shirt sponsor a sleeve sponsor that'll pay them 10 mil a season but oh, Qatar yeah, are paying yeah. them 17 you'll be lucky to find half that 
Exactly. Which that is the, that is the thing where I say, yeah, okay. You know, that money, but at the end of the day, if you need to sell your soul to basically get that type of money in, then it's not worth it. And I think the Qatar sponsoring is the biggest mistake they should have done. They've ever done. Take your business to business elsewhere. Don't do training. You know, there are so many other places you could go where you have to fly in inordinate amounts of time and you have to, or fly inordinate amounts of kilometers to go, you know, where it's warm during the winter that aren't Qatar. Go to Australia. I don't know, Southeast Asia somewhere, or go to Africa, do something, do something good for some, for a community there, but don't stick more money into an oil sponsored state that already has so much money that it is literally bleeding money. It's ridiculous. Should be fun today because the today we've got the the Biden have the members uh, meeting where basically it's an open. They have the board of directors sitting on a panel, and everyone who's a Biden member can come into the Audi Dome in Munich and basically voice their concerns. So, I can't wait to see what happens there, because <laughs> the amount of fans that are going to be pissed off there about this Qatar sponsoring is going to be, I'd say, roughly all of them. Yeah, I think you just need someone to make them aware that we can't, we can't just not have it. Like, we signed a contract. Otherwise, we have to give them money back. Well, yeah, obviously, they're, they're not going to terminate the contract, but that's the fans have already... The, there is one fan in particular who basically got a petition going around that got a lot of signatures as well. He basically said, we don't want them to end it immediately, even though that'd be a clear message. But what they're saying is they want them to not renew the contract. Which That's when it fair. runs out, which is a fair statement because it gives Bayern time to find a new sponsor. It's not like, you know, all of a sudden 17 million smack dab from one day to the next, even though it would send an unbelievable message. Um, you know, there's still time. I think it's a fair, fair thing. And, you know, at this point, the fact that the Bayern bosses have yet to comment on that situation and it's been raging for a month. That's, that's ridiculous. Definitely. Anyway, we'll leave it there, but do let us know what you think if you've got any opinions on the Qatar sponsor of Bayern or anything that we've spoken about today. You know, will Ralph Rangnick get United back into the Champions League? Are Union Berlin now the bigger team in, in Berlin? What's wrong with Dortmund? What do you think? So let us know on Twitter and on Instagram. Yes, please. And without further ado... Don't forget to like, share, and subscribe to AT Sports News on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, of course, where we bring you daily news, breaking news, all the fun stuff like Mats Hummels trashing his TV. Gotta love that. Um, and also make sure to check out our previous episodes on Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, and Spotify. Always good for laughs. And, you know, if you missed any, Come on. You, we know you want to hear our beautiful voices. But thank you very much for listening, guys. Keep calm. Love the beautiful game.